ain't ain't a word, so I ain't gonna use it. You hear that, children? Ain't ain't a word, so I ain't gonna use it. I ain't gonna use it. I ain't right in the head. generic no-name band that's a license-free background music option on my podcast app Woo! Yeah. Oh, I love those guys I need a t-shirt for that band oh. I always wondered about those singers and musicians that do the jingles or public domain knockoff songs for a living you know, it's like, especially when they're in the studio, rocking out while the producer and the sound mixer guy, editor, or, you know, whoever is at that big-ass control panel and they're listening and smoking cigarettes and nodding all seriously, you know, the whole time. Then the producer, he gets all pissed off and he storms into the studio to yell at the band. You know, he goes, what the hell was that? Are you guys even hearing yourselves right now? Are you here to sell gumdrops? No. You're here to sell peanut butter cups, so start playing like it, damn it! Then the lead singer, he throws down his sheet music, and he's all like, Up your ass, Phil! Used to be about the jingle. Now you're all corporate. I can smell it on you. Then as the lead singer storms out, Phil <laughs> pulls out a revolver, <laughs> shoots him in the back of the head, <laughs> then he turns back to the band. Anyone else want to compromise? I didn't think so. Jimmy, you're the new lead singer now. After you dispose of your brother's corpse, I want you to take it from the top lyric. That goes, peanut butter is better in my tummy, tummy, wummy, wummy. Anyway, that's my little fantasy for today. Welcome to the uh, Ain't Right in the Head podcast. I'm your Ain't Right in the Head podcaster, Mark Hoffman. And uh, I have to admit, don't have much of a theme for uh, this third episode. I'm just going to fill your head with nonsense like I do every episode so far, the past two. But I mean, like today, I'm just going to just go over some news stories that uh, I found and really wanted to uh, talk about and make fun of, uh, especially this one. Uh, This story deals with a seven-year-old boy in India. He had a legion of teeth removed from his mouth. Now, like what? What makes up a legion? Okay, like is that some sort of scientific you know, doctor? We we found um, all these teeth in this boy's mouth. Like, oh well, duh. How many teeth did he have, sir? He had a legion of teeth. My God! <laughs> I mean, like you know, a single was one, a couple's two, a few is three or more, a group is you know um, five or six. A gathering is 7.9. A collection is um, uh, 2,000, I think. And a flock, uh, that's that's seagulls. Never mind. Anyway, uh, the number of teeth, it was 526. The unusual surgery was performed at Savitha Dental College and Hospital in Chennai, India. 
The boy is brought to the hospital with a swelling of his lower right jaw, and he was found to be suffering from compound composite ondonatome me. I think is how you say it. Well, according to a press release from the hospital, I mean, it should just follow up by saying, that's a bad thing. He was first taken to the hospital for a swollen jaw at the age of three. Man, Indian daycare can get pretty rough, it seems. But uh, he refused to cooperate for any investigative procedures at the time, meaning he was just a squirmy little brat and everyone just gave up on him. This is a great story so far. Anyway, so his condition was left undiagnosed for four years. When he came back at the age of seven, his parents worried that he might have cancer in his jaw. The doctors decided to operate and found what they described as a bag-like mass, which was removed in its entirety. A bag, bag-like, just like a bag of mass or a massive bag. I don't know. According to the press release, the press release, the sack weighed almost half a pound, and inside were 526 tooth-like structures. How do they determine that? I mean, they they pull out like a like a fragment and look under a light, and one guy goes, "Dave," or I mean, this is India, uh, uh, Paul. Hmm, I don't know. What does that structure look like to you? And then he would say, "Well, that structure looks like like a tooth-like to me." Really? I think it looks like a bone. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, if anything, it looks like a tooth-like bone to me. And the other guy's like, yeah, you say that about everything. Yeah. Back to the story. It was reminiscent of pearls and an oyster, the doctor said, as it took five hours of meticulous searching to remove every single extra tooth. Pearls and an oyster. It's like, I think you'd say that like while this kid was like, you know, I could hear you. Shut up, Brett. Uh, the teeth range in size, or tooth-like structures, I'm sorry, range in size from 1 millimeter to 15 millimeters and resembled a tooth with a crown covered by enamel and a root-like structure. That structure looks root-like to me. Yeah, me too. It was unlike anything the doctors had seen before. One of the doctors said, this, is, this Pandora's box of miniature teeth is a jewel on our crown. Wait, what? That, that doesn't sound right at all. I mean, I never heard the terms crown jewel and Pandora's box in the same sentence. I mean, what, what kind of son of a bitch backwards hospital college is this? They say that this is the first time that anyone had so many teeth at one time in their mouth. I mean, I mean, it was bad enough that the boy's parents started a GoFundMe account for when the tooth fairy arrives and the remaining teeth were donated to the national hockey league. That's one story down. Now this next story. Well, I mean, it's not like a story per se. It's more like a, um, uh, a critique on how people like don't know how to use the term per se. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's uh, it's weird. Every time I, I look up uh, podcasts to listen to, it seems like the number one um, genre is uh, the true crimes. And it's uh, it, it, it's always about murder, extortion, rape, kidnapping, you know, all the fun stuff that you can watch on the Disney Channel or Home Shopping Network at like 3 a.m. But uh, yeah, but I thought... Yeah, you don't hear too much uh, true crime 
in terms of uh, lewdness, open lewdness, exposure, indecent exposure, northern exposure, whatever you have. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a nice tall glass of your favorite vintage urine, and enjoy True Crimes of the Profoundly Perverted. Ain't Right in the Head podcast presents True Crimes of the Profoundly Perverted. The names and places in this report from law enforcement have been changed to protect the innocent and to protect my ass from a lawsuit. Episode 1, Chapter 1, Volume 1, Book 1, The Meat Man Cometh. 41-year-old Dick Dickerson was employed as an unassuming meat cutter in the deli section of a suburban Pennsylvania supermarket for two years. While there, he sliced, cut, chipped, and chopped ham, roast beef, a variety of cheeses, and on a fateful day in June, he started displaying his salami. A Pennsylvania police department reported that on that sunny day with little overcast, and humidity level at 52%, that one confirmed. A mother and daughter were shopping inside the supermarket when the daughter saw Dickerson displaying his bacon baby maker. Dickerson was showing off his sausage several times and was touching himself. Where he was touching himself, the police didn't make clear in their report, but we can only assume it was his uncircumcised bratwurst, though unconfirmed if his bratwurst was uncircumcised at the time. The girl's mother contacted police about her daughter witnessing the kosher dill dangler at the deli. Police wasted no time in contacting the supermarket about the meat stick. And video surveillance was produced by the supermarket that showed the mother was correct about the butter-churning lobster tail display. Store security and the store's human resources confronted Dickerson about the alleged incident asking him if it were true, the story about him showing off his six-inch sub. Faced with an accusation and video of him putting the pork roll on sale, Dickerson said he did wangle the wiener, but it wasn't intentional. Not believing such utter bullshit poppycock, local police charged Dickerson with open lewdness, indecent exposure, corruption of a minor, falsifying an employment application and various health code violations over tainted meat. Charges were filed in county court. Dickerson is currently awaiting trial. Thank you for listening to this very special premiere episode of True Crimes of the Profoundly Perverted. And uh, I have another story here about a man, a uh, long rod that's also a projectile uh, for you to listen to. Uh, Here's the story. A man was caught with a non-functioning missile launcher in his checked bag at the Baltimore-Washington International Thurgood Marshall Airport early Monday. I mean, I know know it's been said that Baltimore is crime-ridden, but yowza! Um, Transportation Security Administration officers 
detected the launcher and immediately told the airport police who tracked down the traveler and detained him for questioning. I mean, like, would they even need to question him? I mean, if you're smuggling a missile launcher on a plane, you don't really need to act dumb or, you know, play coy or, you know, start some kind of game of cat and mouse when confronted. Like they found a mini Swiss army knife in your pocket or they found a dildo in your luggage or something. I mean, they would just have to approach and wouldn't even need to say anything. I mean, you would just look at him and say, okay, how much prison time am I looking at? <laughs> so, all right, it goes on. Um, the man who lives in Jacksonville, Texas, told officials he was an active military personnel traveling home from Kuwait and he wanted to keep the missile launcher as a souvenir. Uh, holy crap, that's some souvenir. I mean, I hate to see like what this guy takes home from a colonoscopy or something. Um, let's see. Military weapons are not permitted in the checked or carry-on bags, the TSA said. Oh, you think? I mean, last I checked, you still can't bring toothpaste on board. In your carry-on. Let's see. Uh, the item was not live, they said, but it was confiscated and handed over to the state fire marshal for safe disposal, which means it was placed on his mantle. <laughs> it's like like a deer head. <laughs> this is why I brought him, honey. Uh, the man uh, was able to catch his flight, officials said. I mean, it must be tough for him. You know, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't bring any kind of weapons on a plane, obviously, but... Think about it. Right. This guy, he served his country. He came back home, you know, saw his family waiting for him with signs and balloons. And probably the first thing they said to him was, dude, where's the missile launcher? You promised the missile launcher. The guy's like, you know, damn government stole it. So don't smuggle missile launchers, active or inactive on an airplane. I don't, I never thought those words had to be said to people, but there you go. Okay, let's do one more story. Um, an Indi Indonesian man walking in reverse to save Jakarta. This is from the AFP. An Indonesian man is walking 435 miles from his home on a volcano in East Java to Jakarta in the hope of drawing attention to uh, the quickly shrinking forests that surround him. And he's doing it backwards. And you think, or like, oh, you know... Is he raising awareness by planting trees where the other ones were cut down? No, of course, it's nothing that makes sense. This guy's walking backwards. To show what? I don't, I mean, it's like when people get fed up over something, they make a scene by like chaining themselves to something or singing a protest song or setting themselves on fire, you know, but not this guy. Now, this guy reads something that annoys him. He throws down the newspaper and yells, that's it. I've had it. I'm walking backwards. Anyway, uh, let's see. The guy's name, he's 43 years old. Mehdi Bastrani, uh, father of four, set out on his in-reverse journey in mid-July with the goal of reaching the capital by August 16th, a day before the Southeast Asian nation's Independence Day anniversary. He said, of course I'm exhausted, but I'm willing to do this to fight for the next generation. Well, I mean, he's going to show his kids that anything can be accomplished, I guess, by walking backwards why <laughs> he said um i'm losing uh my home to all of the tree it's trees so i have to do something i can take the pain and fatigue i mean i really feel bad for this guy but why walk backwards 
That's <laughs> this is the part I don't understand. All right, um, when he arrives, he said he hopes to meet with the president, Joku Wadudu, and try not to laugh at his name and highlight deforestation across uh, the land, including his home on Mount Willis. What you talking about, Willis? Oh, the dormant volcano. I see. Uh, Indonesia suffers from one of the high rates of deforestation in the world, according to Greenpeace. Uh, Bastoni walks 20 to 30 kilometers backwards every day under the scorching sun with a rear view mirror attached to his backpack to avoid bumping into objects. Well, uh, good call. Uh, you don't want to look silly, I guess, when you're doing this, walking backwards. Along the way, supporters cheer, cheer him on, offer him meals or a place to stay overnight, but Bastoni always leaves at dawn to stay on schedule. Well, at least he's dedicated, and you got to give him that. Okay, it goes on to say, walking backwards is meant as a signal to Indonesians to reflect on the past and remember how national heroes fought for the good of the country. Oh, well, okay, that, that now that kind of makes sense. I mean, I kind of wish they would have, you know, put that before <laughs> higher up in the article before I made all those horribly culturally ignorant comments. I mean, uh, they, uh, but still I can't imagine someone making a movie of this guy's epic struggle. In a world where corporate greed and deforestation run rampant, one man decided to stand up against impossible odds and walk backwards. Coming this fall from Paramount Pictures. Walking tall backwards. <laughs> Who says we in Hollywood have run out of ideas? Coming soon to a theater near you, or more likely directly to Netflix. All right, enough of that. Well, that's it for me, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and uh, I want you to check out my column tomorrow in the Herald Standard, www.heraldstandard.com. Just uh, look in the community section or tab, if you're online, of course, uh, for According to Hoffman. You can read about my exploits in the world. Uh, you can also uh, check out my book, Stupid Brain, on Amazon.com. Just type in Stupid Brain and put you know put it in the search bar and uh, they can find it for you. And you can you can buy it. Or if you're like a Amazon Prime member, you can read it for free. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Oh yeah. Also, uh, don't forget to watch a special heartwarming episode of MacGyver. I mean, the old one, not this new crap that they have out. But, uh, yeah, check your local listings for details. And uh, that's it for me. I'm out!